It's our super strong point, developing fluency with a wider range of vocabulary because it's enforced with the checklist. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, I have in my hand your book, However Imperfectly, Lessons Learned from 30 Years of Teaching and Other Articles. Yes. uh, One book, 20 years to get it done. (laughs) Yes. Well, and when we first talked about doing this, we imagined just collecting all your articles. And, of course, most of your articles were written for a specific purpose, for a specific magazine that had a specific word count that you were supposed to keep just was kind of fun for you, I think, to not have that word limit with your first article. Right. But what I love about this book is I can turn around on my shelf and pull it out and find so much wisdom in here. And this podcast is actually based on one of the articles you wrote back in 2012 that is just as relevant today, if not more so, than it was when you wrote it. Hmm. And um, it's called You Don't Have to Like It. Oh, yes. Well... I um, I do vaguely remember what I wrote in that article. Okay. But you know, I've had many, many countless conversations with parents right. along those same lines. So although we are a writing company and by extension teaching, listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking, we also have this idea of teaching intangibles. As we're teaching our lessons, we want teachers and students to learn something more than just how to write. Well... Yes, I you know the seeds of that particular article and maybe a few others that are peripherally connected were conversations that I would have usually along one of these two lines. Someone would come up and say something like I I just want my son, my daughter, I just want my child to you know enjoy writing or I just want my child to be able to express himself. (laughs) And in my view, these are two fallacies. Mm. And so I don't want to engage at the level of saying, yes, we can help you do that because I don't even know if that's the right goal, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is it the right goal to like writing? I know someone in this room who doesn't like to write. <laughs> well, and you know, I meet some kids and they just, oh, I love writing. I, I write in my spare time. I want to mm-hmm. grow up and write novels. And I just want to, I've met people who say, I want to go major mm-hmm. in college and get a degree in creative writing. I'm just thinking, mm. that is the last thing on earth I would ever want to do. <laughs> but it, it is an interesting relationship between doing something and liking something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this this gets us kind of into that area of motivation right. as well. 
And then I know this is not the subject of this particular podcast, but this other fallacy that somehow, you know, writing is about expressing yourself, Mm -hmm. right? This is kind of a cliche. It's, Mm -hmm. It's like buzzwords. It's like college and career readiness, you know. Uh, It's like critical thinking. People toss these ideas around without really examining either the meaning or the impact. So what I sometimes do is try to point out, well, really writing is not about expressing yourself. I'm not even sure what expressing yourself means, but I'm pretty sure that writing has little to do with that, especially in the developmental period, Hmm. you know, where you are young and you're learning a skill, Mm -hmm. it would be kind of absurd for someone to bring a beginning violin student to me and say, well, the reason we want to do this is so she can express herself Mm -hmm. by playing violin. Mm -hmm. I suppose that could happen way down the line in some way, but we've got quite a bit of basic skills development to happen before there's going to be too much individuality coming out. Well, and can I just, the music analogy, and I love the music analogy when we often bring it into what we talk about, mostly because your first career was a music teacher, and so this is something you know well. As you know, and probably our listeners know, I have a son who's a musician, and he did very much enjoy expressing himself on the piano or guitar. But when it came down to lessons, his his teachers would say he actually needs the fundamentals before he can go beyond and express himself, which, you know, a lot of what he does right now is that as a side yeah. gig. And, and you could even say, honestly, you have to know yourself to a certain yeah. degree before you would express yourself. Right. I still don't really even know what those words mean mm-hmm. in, an, in a concrete sense, mm-hmm. but I do know that it's not probably the right goal for a parent to have for a school-aged child mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in terms of writing instruction. Mm-hmm. So I kind of counter that and say, well, writing is about expressing ideas, mm-hmm. right? If, and if there's no idea, there's no writing. There's, you know, you have to have a thought from somewhere. Right. And most of our thoughts come from somewhere else. So when you say, you know, express an emotion or express an original thought to a child, that can be a very daunting thing to do. So, so I try to shift that a little bit and say, okay, let's work on establishing the basic skills of expressing ideas and creating a variety of ways in which to do that and tools and techniques to be able to express ideas. And then if you're lucky or live long enough, maybe you will have some completely original ideas to express, but that's not, that, that's not the starting point. Mm-hmm. Sure. Same thing with this idea of I want him to enjoy writing. Well, if that's your goal then how do you get there? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, You really don't cheerlead someone into enjoying something that is not by nature enjoyable if it's difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, and we could make analogies with playing music or exercise or anything that requires, you know, some, some hard work to develop the basic skills. And then 
in the process of getting better, mm -hmm. there is a chance that enjoyment will enter into it. But, you know, as you know, uh, I've been going to a gym right? regularly yes. for, I don't know, almost a year now. And I wouldn't say that there's this happiness about walking in <laughs> saying, well, this is just really going to be a pleasant and enjoyable hour, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. it's, that's not the reason to do it. The satisfaction comes at the end of the time or, you know, periodically when you kind of evaluate and say, is there improvement? Mm -hmm. Am I getting stronger or better stamina or more fit, you right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's where the satisfaction occurs. Same thing, you know, with a piece of music. You don't say, oh, I'm really excited about having this new hard thing to have to do in order to play this piece of music. Mm -hmm. But there's enough of a momentum of having done that in the past. You're willing to do it because you know that once you've done that, there is that high level of satisfaction. Right, right. So, you know, I, I always say two things to kids, you know, to kids, right? You don't have to like this. You just have to do it, right? Yep. And then I point out to parents that if you want a child to enjoy something, well, the best way is to help them get better at it, whether they enjoy that part of the process or not. And I will share, and you've heard me say, I don't like writing. No. <laughs> but I like having written something. Yes. Right? I like being at the end of the process, mm -hmm. not necessarily going through the process. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that that is a freeing idea for parents and teachers. Right. You know, you do, it's not your job to do this in a way that people enjoy it. The cause of their enjoyment is not on you. If right. they get to a point of enjoying it or having enjoyed finishing, that's that's a side that's a an intangible mm -hmm, a side right. effect, a benefit. Mm -hmm. But you can't really just make somebody enjoy something. Mm -hmm. And and the problem is if you do that, you fall into the trap, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You fall into the trap of let's pretend we're having fun. Mm -hmm. And then there's disingenuity there. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Well we're not having fun. This is hard. Right. Right. Okay, let's acknowledge the reality. So mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what I probably wrote in that article many years ago. <laughs> right. Well, one of the, the pull quote, and you kind of said this, and this is to parents, students don't really, or teachers, students don't really have to like the process of writing. They just have to learn to do it well. And once they learn to do it well, and I'm not reading any more from your book, I'm just commenting, once they learn to do it well, they would be more inclined to do more. So... The motivation talk you talk about children like to do. They like to do what they can do. They want to do what they think they can do. And they hate and will refuse to do those things which they cannot or believe that they cannot do. Right. And that, of course, that smacks right at writing because kids, if they don't know what to write, they don't want to do it. They right. don't think they can do it, and so they're going to hate writing. Well, and how many times have we been at a conference or talked to people on the phone or whatever, and they just, I'm so frustrated. My my kid cries mm -hmm. every time we try to do writing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I kind of smile at that because I know why the child is so overwhelmed, stressed, and wanting to cry. 
And I know the solution right. to that. Right. So it's kind of that nice position of being the physician who can correctly and consistently diagnose the problem and prescribe the solution with a very, very high rate yes. of success. Yes. We do have parents that come to us occasionally, or teachers, mostly parents, though, who say, you know, I, my child just really, really wants to write stories and wants to write novels, and I don't see the point of doing, you know, some of this basic keyword outline that you start with and then summarizing, you know, longer source text. And can you just speak to, you know, honestly, it's just the same thing that my son's piano teacher was telling him. Yes, all that fun stuff is great, but you need to learn the basics. You need to learn a little bit more music theory. And it doesn't have to be hard. Well, in everything we do, every aspect of our life, every aspect of learning, there is this tension between a creative drive Mm -hmm. and a disciplined development of a skill. One of my good friends likes to look at many things in the light of the parable of the prodigal son, Mm. where you have the prodigal son who wants to go out and be wild and creative and not worry at all. And then the older son who stays in the groove and then becomes resentful. Right. And, you know, that, I mean, whether you're interested in the theological implications of that or not is not significant, but we see that tension, right? Mm -hmm. So where is the balance? And of course, We've learned through the millennia of being human that the wisdom is usually in the balance. Anytime we become extreme, we lose the benefits of both. So oftentimes you have a child who, like your musician son, Mm -hmm. is pulled forward by that just, I want to experiment. I want to be wild. I want to see what happens if I pound on the piano this way. Oh, my goodness. And did he ever do some really, really wild things in those late teenage years? Oh, my word. And if you're going to make progress in a way that serves other people and serves your end, Mm -hmm. that has to be tempered with the discipline, the technique, Mm -hmm. the building of foundational skills. You got other kids who really aren't that way at all. They're mm-hmm. just like, tell me what to do and I'll do it and I'll be done with it. Right. And I, you know, I have said, you know, in, in the teaching, writing, instruction, style seminar, as well as many other talks, that I have a lot of sympathy or empathy for children who get that kind of, oh no, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so I could start a story. Once upon a time, there was a and then I would be stuck, like, well, what am I going to write about? I don't know. I, I, I don't have any unique, original, brilliant, imaginative mm-hmm. thing to say here. Mm-hmm. And so I would be super stressed by that. But I've met kids, and we've taught them right mm-hmm. here in these rooms, yep. who they don't have a problem with that. They, they are able to access imagination and memory in a very almost chaotically energetic way. Mm -hmm. And so what we've noticed over the years is that when we have the balance, then the students who are like that 
gain order, structure, purpose, direction, system that makes their creativity so much more、mm-hmm. useful and interesting and appealing to other people. And then when we use those same techniques to cultivate the skill of invention through asking good questions, students who are more like me just. Let me copy from the encyclopedia and change a few <laughs> words. I can do that. Right. To being willing to try、mm-hmm. some some more creative aspects、um, because I have a tool to do、mm-hmm. it with, and so we we get the best of both worlds here. We we can reach out to both extremes, right, and cultivate that wisdom. In the balance, right? I think about the times that you've taught students through the nine units, and you, you know, prepare the students. We're getting ready to move on to a new unit. We're leaving, let's say, exam for example, we're leaving unit three with the narrative stories and moving to unit four, where it's just facts. And you'll ask the kids, how many of you are excited about moving into this world of facts again? And Generally, it's half the class, and the other half the class is like, "No, I want to go back." It's okay, don't worry.、Yeah. In Unit Five, we so Unit Five will go back to more cra- crazy, clever writing that you can come up with wild ideas, and there's that balance. We go back and forth across and, the syllabus. And I don't know that Dr. Webster planned this.、Mm-hmm. I think what he discovered in his years of teaching, and he taught every level. Mm-hmm. I mean, he taught one-room schoolhouse. He taught elementary. He taught middle school. He taught high school, and then he finished teaching university and supervising doctoral students and all、mm-hmm. that. But what he noticed was two things: both are really important、mm-hmm. in the big picture of being ready for whatever you're going to do in life with communication, right. Right. and that children appreciate variety、mm-hmm. through the year.、Mm-hmm. You know, and you think, okay, and I saw a funny. Little cartoon the other day, and kids coming home from school. Mom says, "So how's your first day at school?" And the kid says, "Well, I guess not good because they want me to come back." Oh, <laughs> what? You, you know this idea that well, I must not have done well enough because they're going to make me do it again.、Mm-hmm. Well, you know we have this long period of a、mm-hmm. school year and. Certain things are going to be consistent, and okay, you're doing it. You're on this path, but also kids like new things, right? Right, just by nature, they're wired to be interested in new things. So when Webster got this idea of alternating between the kind of fiction, creative, inventive type of writing for a month, and then kind of the report, research, essay writing. For a month, and going back and forth through the nine units over the course of the school year,、mm-hmm. you know that I think that was just brilliant, because then you you get both, so both types of kids、uh, get a little bit of what they love and a little bit of what they're less comfortable with, right? And in doing that, they become more comfortable with what they're less comfortable with.、Mm-hmm. They've got something to look forward to, and they're not kind of just. After four months of doing the same thing again and again, right, right. kind of done with it, right, you right. know, and、uh, so I, I I think he just kind of developed an awareness of the value, and sometimes you know people will ask me 
So what's different about the way you do this? Right. I mean, you know, excellence in writing, what do you do? What's different? Mm-hmm. And depending how much time you have to, <laughs> right. to talk to them, one of the things, as I like to point out, we have this rather unique system of structural models, the units, that go through the school year and create this variety. Mm-hmm. And then we don't assume that because you did something for a month, you know everything about it. We come back the next year and right. go through all the nine units, but using different articles, different stories, different sets of pictures, mm-hmm. different subjects for research mm-hmm. or, or creative writing. And cycling through three or four years, mm-hmm. anyone who's done that will say, wow, that was such a good way to do this mm-hmm. because they see their child developing those skills in balance, mm-hmm. in balance. And, you know, sometimes you you do meet kids who are just all about fiction writing. Mm-hmm. But often that's because they haven't really found something to write about that interests them a great deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they don't feel like they could be imaginative and creative writing a report. Um, But we have seen Mm -hmm. (laughs) firsthand (laughs) some very imaginative and creative report writing. Mm -hmm. And and I think in part that's because we understand Webster's idea, which is hands-on structure and style, hands-off content. You know, if they follow the model, follow the rules, complete the checklist, and it basically makes sense, Whatever, right? You know, I'm we're not I'm not policing the content of a twelve year old's mind, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> <laughs> What's the point? You yeah, know? yeah. Now later, when they move into a higher level of writing, mm-hmm. so let's say they're in a a school or a program that requires something like a a senior thesis, right? You know, or a major research paper mm-hmm. before a college or university level. They may have loved writing stories when they're 10 years old, Mm -hmm. but they're super grateful for knowing how to organize sentences into paragraphs and paragraphs into essays and essays into super essays and and all that. I just heard from one of our students that was in the Structure and Style for Students Level B that she's now taking concurrent dual enrollment at the community college Uh and has gotten... 100% 100% on every single one of her essays so far. Now, it's only she's only 6 weeks in. Oh. <laughs> but this good is, start. <laughs> she's very grateful for having the instruction through IEW and having those skills. And I would say that she's probably more the creative writer type, but to ha- just exactly what you described, she's just really grateful to have that foundation. And even when we're going back and forth through the pathway we're building skills, for example, in Unit 4, the topic clincher rule, that you bring into Unit 5, which makes your crazy, zany writing from pictures assignment a little bit more cohesive, which mm-hmm. is what good writing is. And what we teach in Unit 5 is that thinking skills so that they're able to, and you have we have done a podcast on this before, the importance of Unit 5 and bringing thinking skills into the conclusions for your Unit 8 essay. So... As you say, you know, maybe Dr. Webster didn't intentionally think through all these things, but boy, oh boy, we know it works really well. The the development over time. And, you know, another aspect of this is vocabulary. Right. So 
you think of vocabulary as one of the basic ingredients. Right. <laughs> right. One of the basic things you need to have in order to write something that you feel is interesting or worth reading or mm -hmm. worth sharing. And so often children are limited in their vocabulary. I sometimes give the example of the, the, the prompt, write about one of your pets. And if you don't have a pet, the imaginary pet you wish you had. I mean, that's a very typical kind of prompt. Sure. And so a child just starts writing, you know, my dog is a really awesome dog. He is just so great because he is so fun and he is really, really, really fun and nice and awesome. I'm done. I, <laughs> what, what more can you say? And then there's that tension between, you know, the parent or teacher who wants something more substantive and the child who is limited by, number one, their vocabulary, and number two, by not knowing how to enter into mm -hmm. thinking about their dog. Mm -hmm. Because having a dog for a child is a emotional, visceral experience. You, you don't think about your dog. You just play with your dog. Mm -hmm. So how do you get those feelings and experiences into actual words? And, uh, you know, that's one area where I think it's our super strong point mm -hmm. is developing fluency with a wider range of vocabulary because it's enforced with the checklist. Right. Right. And, and we don't we don't go for this idea of, you know, trying to inspire the kids to think better or do better so much as we try to set up a system that requires that of right, them. Right, exactly. And, and then help them be successful. I was just going to say, give them the tools. Maybe it's a, a, a list of L-Y adverbs. Maybe it's uh, the band words, strong verbs. So what are the weak, lame, lousy verbs? And replace them and give them the tools. I love that, yeah. Yeah, so I, I would guess that most all of the people who have said, I just want my child to like writing, mm -hmm. If they kind of let go of that attachment a little bit and, and recalibrate their goals, get into our program and do it for a few years, mm -hmm. what they discover is that almost all of those children will end up liking it. In fact, we get notes, letters, emails, conversations all the time of parents say, well, it went from his most hated thing to his most liked subject in school. It's true. Yeah. And you know what? Just for fun, we'll link in the show notes to some of those testimonies that said exactly that started off with tears ended with smiles and you know as i've heard you say before the idea is to move them along the spectrum maybe they hate it so much that they just refuse to do it let's move them to all right they don't hate it quite so much you know and you know i think back on my my year my my covid year of not going anywhere, and yeah. I kind of got tricked into this idea of going to the gym. And it was, I don't know, it was at least half a year of hating it, like dreading it, loathing it, until one day I was sitting here in my office and this really foreign, almost pathologically alien idea entered my brain which is, wow, the thing I would most like to do right now 
is go to the gym. <laughs> wow, that's like, awesome. Where did that come from? Right? That's not Andrew Pudua, uh-huh. you know. But but what is that the result of? It's the result of just doing it mm-hmm. and getting a little more comfortable, a little more competent, seeing a little bit of progress, yep. and then, you know, to some degree having, like, my wife say something positive mm-hmm. or just looking in the mirror and feeling yeah. a little better. Yeah. And, and, and it's small steps of motivational increase. Yep, yep. And so I think that's what, you know, we've understood our system works yep. to do yep. that, just that. So I'm going to just encourage our listeners, if you are interested in getting this article, you don't have to like it. You can actually find this on our website. You can find it. But if you want the whole book, there's a couple ways to get it. You can buy it. It's on Amazon. It's on our website. You actually can get a free copy if you become a premium member. We include a coupon for it. And if you're so inclined, you can ask when you order this book for Andrew Poudois to autograph it to you. And he, the book I'm holding in my hand is one that you autographed for me, Andrew. So thank oh. you. This is, however imperfectly, uh, just a treasure trove of great uh, pithy statements and articles from you that maybe you didn't like writing them, but I'm sure you're grateful that you have written them. I am grateful that I wrote them all. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com podcasts. Here you can also find show notes and relevant links from today's broadcast. One last thing. Would you mind going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast? This really helps other smart, caring listeners like you find us. Thanks so much.